The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church family. We're so glad to have each and every one of you here today. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 is where we'll be for our text reading. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 is where we are going to be. This morning, we are going to celebrate the sacrifice Jesus made for us on Calvary so we could experience salvation for ourselves. And I hope that as a believer, you have not gotten to a place where you are taking for granted the beautiful gift that was made available to us by Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection. And because of that, we can experience salvation. We can experience eternal life in heaven and abundant life here on earth. And so we're just thrilled to be together uh, in one service for what we're calling Celebration Sunday. Uh, This is the last and final sermon in our series, Taking Inventory. Uh, Over the last couple of months, we've been looking at a biblical paradigm of finances and giving, and we're going to kind of uh, conclude that this morning, and we wanted to come together uh, to do that. Uh, Today's a special day for our family. Our oldest daughter, Ashlyn, turns 14 years old today. And so uh, Jenny and I are, we're we're very proud of ourselves that we've been able to keep a human being alive uh, for these last 14 years. And uh, so, you know, we're patting ourselves on the back a little bit. And uh, this week, uh, we asked her, what would you like to do for your birthday? And she's kind of shy a little bit, you know, doesn't like to, you know, exert maybe what she would want. I'm, finally, by about Wednesday, she told us, you know, we have these um, day passes to Magic Mountain, Six Flags. And she, she said, uh, can I just use those? And we got them about a year ago, some annual passes. And so she was able to do that. And uh, a couple days later, uh, I got to spend some time with her. And we went to one of the Broadways down here in uh, downtown Fresno. And it was just kind of her week, celebrate, you know, her life, and we're so thankful. It's so special to us, and, and, and sometimes somebody might think, well, why, why would somebody go, and why would they buy a present, and why would they spend money to do something for somebody like that, and, and I think those of us who are parents and those of us who have family, we understand. We tend to sacrifice for those things we love. It's just a natural outflow of authentic love. And, and so today we're going we're gonna to speak on this subject of the sacrifice of Christ. You say, why would he sacrifice? His sacrifice is really just an outflow. It's an outflow of his love for us. And if you ever doubt God's love, if you've ever had a moment where you doubted whether or not he cared, I hope that a glimpse of the cross would remind you afresh and anew of his great and glorious love for you. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you as our honored guest. On your way in, you should have received a service program. Uh, We'd love for you to open that up inside. There's a little connection card, and sometime during the service, you'd have the opportunity to fill that out. Love to have a record of your attendance. For the rest of you, that Bible study guide will be used to go through the scriptures this morning as we spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We're going to look at verse number 9, spend some time in this passage a little bit and kind of unpack it as we look at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For those of you who are physically able. I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and the scriptures say here in verse number 9, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice this, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty, might be rich. We're going to spend some time just looking at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We'll have a word of prayer. 
Uh, after the word of prayer, I'll, I have a couple of videos that I want to show you. They are from friends of our church, friends of our ministry. We've got a, a, a missionary friend of ours that uh, sent us a video. Uh, one of our evangelist preacher friends, John Van Gelderen, sent us a video to our church. Um, we've got some others, and they just want to—they want to speak to us as a church family. They're our friends. They love us. They pray for us, and uh, so they're going to come and just take a moment to share uh, just a word of encouragement to us for a moment, and then we'll dive into our Bible study at this time. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into those. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the beautiful sacrifice that you have made available to us, that through your life, death, burial, and resurrection, we can experience all that you have for us in eternal life, in heaven, and abundant life here on earth. Lord, I pray that we would never be believers who take that reality for granted. I pray that you bless this service as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Fresno, hope you all are doing well. As you continue on in your stewardship series, I want to challenge you today about giving to the local church. You know, in China, as we're planning the church, one of the emphasis is that we have to teach the people to take care of their local church, that we are not always going to be there and we can provide assistance as the church is getting started, but that the people have to take ownership and start giving to their church because it is their church. And as Jesus is building his church there in China, uh, through their worship of giving, uh, they take care of the building and take care of the pastor. And it's so important to make it their own. And you do that through giving and your heart follows and your heart becomes part of where the church is. In the New Testament, there's a paradigm for giving and it is that of generous grace giving. Meaning that believers are to give free will offerings to supply the needs of their church so that they can do outreach to the community and so that they can give out to the poor and most importantly so that they can also reach out to the world and accomplish its mission here on earth. And giving is a Christian virtue or grace that all believers should abound in. 2 Corinthians 8-7 says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also, that we may abound in the grace of giving, and that we ought to give more and more and more. It shouldn't be something that we kind of don't really want to do, or we see it as the church is trying to get money out of us, but we see it as something that the Bible encourages us to abound in. And we should be known as a generous people because we have received the grace of God generously through Jesus Christ. The local church is God's idea. And giving, or the stewardship of giving, is God's way of supporting the local church. The Bible says those who preach the gospel should love of the gospel. And so giving through your local church is a way of trusting God to provide for the ministry and then watch also God provide for you. I preach on the Spirit for Life and Revival and the Holy Spirit, which means I preach a lot on faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, it is possible. And there's something about our pocketbook that is a true test of faith. It's interesting, today people argue about what's Old Testament, New Testament, and what's our obligation and our responsibility. But long before there was the Mosaic Law, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. So if you've never done much with giving, uh, tithing really is a good place to start. 
And obviously through the giving or the grace of giving, you can go far beyond that. But it is a wonderful thing to just ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do? And then trust Him and obey. If you are a member or an attender of Ambassador Baptist Church, then you're being blessed by that ministry, which means you have the opportunity, the privilege, and yes, the responsibility to give and do what God tells you to do. And as you do, God will provide not only for the church, but he'll bless and provide for you. Hey, we're Jeremy and Stephanie Goldsboro. We started coming to Ambassador because of its emphasis on the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. Since coming to Ambassador, God's really changed our lives in a lot of ways. I'd say maybe the main difference that he has made in our lives here is that our motives really have changed. God has really revealed to us how really our motives should be love for him. And really they should be our motives for everything that we do should be a response to his love for us. I think really what motivated us to give to the Lord through Ambassador Baptist Church was just our love for him. Our love for him, our love for what he was doing through this place, and really just a feeling of wanting to be part of that. And so, um, just the natural thing to do would be to pour our finances into that. As God had been so good to us, we wanted to give back to him through our church and, and really be able to see him do wonderful things in other people's lives through that. I would say this to someone who's considering starting to give to their local church, just start. Um, there's always going to be a reason why we can't afford it or um, you can always find something to spend your money on but you know giving to God is not just an expenditure it's really an investment it's really um, it's really a response it's an obedient response to his word but it's a response to his love for us and I think that we we value what we invest in and so as we invest into what God is doing through the ministry of Ambassador, um, we just get that connection to the church that you can't really get in any other way. Just start, um, even if it's in a small way, get started, and then just uh, determine that you're gonna consistently make that investment and watch how God changes your life through that. Our theme for this morning is really simple, and that's this. Christ's living, Christ's living should inspire our giving. Notice in our text that we read a moment ago, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9, simply says, for ye know. This is, this is something the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth, and he says, hey, you know this. This is not something new. He says, you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus Christ, the, the Prince of Heaven, came to this earth to walk these dirt streets. Why? Because He loved you. He, he was rich, and yet He was willing to be made poor. Notice what it goes on to say, that you, through His poverty, that which He gave up, He offers to you, which leads us to our first thought this morning, and that's simply this. I want you to see from this passage, Christ's sacrifice for us. Christ's sacrifice for us. We see, these, uh, we see this emphasis played out all throughout Scripture, but one that is very evident is Isaiah chapter number 53, verse 5, where the Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. 
were healed. I know as believers, sometimes the story of what Jesus Christ did for us, it can become something that we get put on the back burner. If we're not careful over time, we begin to take for granted what Jesus Christ made available to us through his uh, death on the cross. And yet I, I want us to be reminded of that here a little bit today. I want you to think about that a little bit today. Here Jesus Christ, the one who was perfect, the one who was holy, the one who was righteous, the one who was just, was willing to go and go to a cross for us. Uh, The scriptures tell us that he stood before a court who declared him to be guilty even though there was no sin found within him. As you read the text, you'll find that they took Jesus and and they begin to beat him with with what was called a a cat of nine tails. Uh, For those of you who might not be familiar with this ancient instrument of torture, it was basically a whip of sorts that had nine leather straps on it. On each of those straps, they would kind of weave broken pieces of glass and rock, and and pieces of jagged metal, and they would take that, and then they would begin to whip the person that they were trying to persecute, one time and two times. What made this instrument of torture so unbelievable was the fact that those pieces, those whips would reach around, and, and as those pieces of metal would get lodged into the stomach, it would literally rip out pieces of flesh as it would be pulled out again. And again and again and again, they beat our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not for some crime he had committed, not for some immorality that he had done, but for you. In those moments, he was literally taking the consequences and the penalty that your sin and your immorality and your wickedness deserve, and he was taking all the consequences and all the punishment of all of that upon himself, upon his own body. They came along and they begin to beat the face of Jesus, these Roman centurions. They beat him and beat him and beat him until the Bible says that you couldn't even recognize that he was human. They begin to rip out his beard and they eventually put a cloak over his bloody body. They took what was a crown of thorns and there were these long Palestinian thorns that they would make this wreath out of and they used a club to beat that crown of thorns down into his skull. Why? Because he loved you. He was taking every ounce of punishment, every ounce of shame. He was taking all the consequences of every one of your sinful actions and he was bearing the brunt of all of it upon his own body. Finally, they ripped that cloak off his body. You can only imagine that that cloth had started to merge with the, with the, with the blood as it was kind of uh, forming and that reopened all the wounds, and he began to bleed again. They made him carry a cross up toward Calvary. He sure fell again and again and again. Now his, his knees and his legs are getting scraped and bruised and bloody. And I, here's why I remind you of this. Because this is what your Savior did for you. Yes, our life deserved the consequences of sin. Our life deserved this punishment. And yet Jesus did this for us to take those consequences upon himself. He went to the cross, they laid him down and they they took the nails and they pierced his hands and they pierced his feet and they put him up on a cross and then they begin to mock him. (laughs) Saying, hail, king of the Jews. 
He was emotionally scarred. He was, he, he was psychologically bruised and just physically tortured, and he went through all of that for you. In fact, the Bible literally says that he literally became sin for us. He did more than simply take on the consequences of sin, but in that moment, he became the living embodiment of all evil all immorality, all sin, he became. His identity and essence became sin so that the Father could not even look upon him. He was so repulsed by it. He loved you. And finally, in a moment, Jesus, with outstretched hands, declared, it's finished. It's finished. What was finished? Everything that needed to be accomplished to cleanse you. Everything that needed to be accomplished to offer you pure, just, and righteous salvation was made available not through your moral works, not through what you could accomplish, but because of his sacrifice on your behalf. I want to remind you today, they might put this on the screens, but Christ was willing to sacrifice everything to make the gospel possible. Notice what it says in our text. It says, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He had to give up something. Christ was willing to sacrifice everything to make the gospel possible. And I declare to you, we must be willing to sacrifice something to make the gospel available. We have an opportunity to take the gospel and extend it to those around us. But what's, what's tough is those of us who are believers in the 21st century, we want to extend the salvation that Jesus made possible through his sacrifice, and we want to share it without any sacrifice on our part. It's somewhat of an oxymoron. Notice verse number 7 of our text. Notice what it says in chapter number 8, verse 7. It says, therefore, as you abound in everything, as you're abounding in faith, as you abound in utterance, your ability to speak the word and knowledge, your understanding of Scripture, and in all diligence. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, there are different graces that the Spirit of God wants you to abound in. He's saying these are graces that the Spirit of God does within you. He, he changes your motivations. He changes your values. He changes your attitude and your thinking. And all of a sudden, because of that, you can, you can extend faith. You can extend utterance, your ability to speak truth, your ability to know the Scriptures, the, the ability to be diligent in the work for God and your service for Him and in your love to us. He says you're abounding in all these graces that the Spirit of God makes possible. He says this, I want you to abound in this grace also. What grace is he talking about? He's talking about the grace of financial giving. He's saying this is something that if, if God is continuing to do a work of grace in your life, one of the evidences that this is real is that there's this extension, there's this sacrifice of financial giving. You see, I, I don't know how else to say it, but we are masters of illusion, my friends, every one of us. Our psychology and subconscious will tell us a thousand things that are just not true. 
We'll be convinced of things that are just not reality. And so we are given in the scriptures ways to perceive that which is reality and that which is an illusion. And one of the ways we perceive whether or not God's grace is actually working in our lives, one of the ways we can cut through the self-delusion is to ask ourselves, is there a grace? Is there an extension of financial sacrifice? It's one of the evidences that what you have is real. It's really hard to come to a place where you say, oh yeah, this is real in my life, but there's no evidence of financial sacrifice. He says, abound in this grace also. So we see not only Christ's sacrifice for us, but I want you to notice, secondly, our sacrifice for him. Hebrews chapter number 13, verse 16 says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It'd be one thing for us to just to enjoy and experience all the sacrifice and everything that God makes available to us. But can I say this? If it's not being extended to others, then we have to really ask ourselves whether or not we're enjoying it ourselves. We might know it academically, cerebrally, But one of the ways we know that we're continually experiencing it is that what flows to us is also flowing through us. That's how we know if it's active and alive and we're enjoying it and experiencing it in a way that the Holy Spirit would desire for us to do. There was a man by the name of C.T. Studd, and and C.T. Studd was a a missionary who just had this, uh, this audacious heart to sacrifice so the gospel could go forth to the regions of the world. And if you read his autobiography, it's very, very convicting because his willingness to sacrifice to make the gospel go forward was just profound. In his autobiography, there are many statements that just leave you kind of just wrestling and And one of the things he said was this. He said, if Jesus Christ be God, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifices can be too great for me to make for him. We got to ask ourselves, is this true? It was an interesting statement that he makes later on. And and he says this, stud said in his biography, he says, Stud believed that when we align with God, that is, we align with his word, we align with his spirit, when we align with God, his provision in our lives would be confirmed through what he called, he he used the phrase, providential coincidences. Do you realize this, this is how his entire ministry went forward, was through what he called providential coincidences. He was able to experience profound provision from God through these providential coincidences. And and really, he had faith that God could do exactly that. I want you to think about this for a moment as we think about sacrifice. You see, every one of us in this room, and I, I, I believe this with every ounce of my being, every one of us in this room have the intentions to give something. There's not one person in this room who's like, no, I don't want to give nothing. Every every one of us sincerely desire to give. I, I, I believe that. There's not one person in here who's like, not me, I'm not going to give. No, we all, God, just there's something in us that just, we have a desire to give. 
We have a desire to sacrifice. Every one of us, whether you're a kid, whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult or a senior saint, I believe every one of us, if we have the Spirit of God within us, we desire to give. It's not giving that we have a problem with. Every one of us has the intention to give something, but very few of us are willing to give up something to make it happen. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Isn't that true? You all want to give. Every one of you. You're like, Pastor, you don't understand. I want to give. I want to give to this missionary. I want to give to this homeless person. I want to give to the mission of the church. I want to give to raise up disciples. Every one of us desire to give. We don't struggle with giving. 21st century Americans, you know what we struggle with? We struggle with giving up in order to make it happen. And that's what's hard. And yet we go to our text here and we see what Jesus did. He says, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. Jesus did not just give. He gave up. What, what are we willing? What are we willing to give up so that we can give? Can, I just let that, can we just let that sink in for just a moment? What, is, what, what would be worthy of sacrificing for the one who sacrificed everything for us? I mean, I'm just, I'm hypothetically speaking. Would we be willing to sacrifice, fill in the blank, what would we be willing to give up so that we can give? Because I realize all of us are stra- strapped financially. I don't know that there's a whole lot of people in here who just have a lot of excess money. And it might be for some of us what God calls us to give up is our Netflix membership. Maybe that's what God's calling us to give up. Maybe for some of us it's our cable subscription. That we're going to give that up so we can give out. This is really where the rubber meets the road. Maybe for some of us it's, it's, it's the coffee that we get on a daily basis. You say, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm asking, what are you willing to give up so that you can give out? That's my question. Where are you willing to be made poor so others might be made rich in Christ? That's, that's really what my question is. And I want to make it practical, and I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf because I know none of us have all this excess money. So if this is going to happen, it's not just giving out. We've got to give up first. We've got to follow the example of our Savior. Maybe for some of us, it's a gym membership that gets used that four times a year. <laughs> what are you willing to give up so you can give out? Maybe it's saying, you know, for this year, I'm just going fig- to figure out how to stay clothed with what I already have in my closet. <laughs> figure it out for one year i'm just gonna i'm not gonna buy any more clothes you say what's wrong with buying clothes? i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it i'm saying in order to give out we have to follow the pattern of jesus and be willing to give up and that's what we as americans don't want to do all of us want to give every one of you want to give out you're struggling with giving up What is it that the Holy Spirit would lead you to give up 
so that you can give out. The takeaway for our message is simply this, that the way Christ lived should affect how we give. The way Christ lived should affect how we give. Over these last several weeks, we've been looking at a biblical paradigm of generosity. We've been looking at how God wants us to view money, the paradigm that we should have about finances. And we've been looking at all of these different areas. We understand that in order to be, to be radically generous, there comes a moment where we have to live in real contentment with what God's already made available to us in his providential sovereignty. We talked about contentment. We've talked about God's ownership, that ultimately everything we're stewarding and everything we manage ultimately belongs to Him. We've talked about this idea that we, by faith, can step into an alternate economy that isn't regulated by the same economy that regulates the world's economies. By faith, we can enter into that economy, God's economy. We can step out of the world's economy and experience what's available in that economy by faith. So we take all of these truths and we take all of these principles about how to spend and how to earn and how to invest and how to give, and we take all these and we've got to give them practical outflow. We've got to give them a practical expression. And so we culminate today in this generosity challenge that I really want us as a church family to, ver- to, to not just do a token, but to, to really ask ourselves, what is it that God wants me to give up in my current lifestyle so that I can give out? Why, why are we doing this? I, I said it last week. I honestly believe that when we align with God's principles of generosity, it is better for us. There are things that happen psychologically. There are things that happen physiologically. There are things that happen spiritually within the soul of an individual who lives out radical generosity. It equips you with resources to navigate life in ways that people who are not radically generous just can't navigate life. It's for you. It's so that your joy can be full as we've seen several times before. There's a reality to this. It's it's not just something from you. This is literally about something for you. But the second reason is because God chose this method of us giving up so we could give out. He chose this method to further the mission of the local church. This is how he chooses to do it that we would give to the Lord through a local church so that the church, and I want to say this, the church is God's priority to accomplish his mission on planet earth. And he uses this church, he uses local expressions of his church to make disciples. And oh, that we would be a part of a place that is accomplishing that mission of making disciples. And we've not tried to make qualms about it. At the very core of who we are, that's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to be a place that develops deeper disciples. 
that sees people come to faith in Christ, not just leave them there, but to help them grow and to help them cultivate a personal relationship with God where they can experience all that the abundant life makes available to us. Today, we have another um, couple that is coming to join in formal membership with our church family. And it's, it's been a wonderful season to see many that have come to faith in Christ and to see those who have struggled in the past in their life, to see their lives just totally reformed around the good news of the gospel, to see them be discipled, to see them grow, and to see them really come to a place where they, in turn, want to give out so much of what God's done for them. And so we're looking forward here with Alfonso and Courtney to inviting them into our formal church membership. And so what we're going to do at this time is I want to share with you their story. Uh, They've been coming for uh, probably about six to nine months now, and God's been doing so much in their life. And I want to share with you their story because I want you to see what you're getting to be a part of as we sacrifice to the Lord through his local church. I'm going to ask the guys to roll the video, and then we'll finish up our service after that. I grew up in Fairfield, California. Uh, I always grew up in a home where we believed in God, so we ended up going to a Pentecostal church for most of my uh, childhood and then my teenage years. And then in 2005, moved here to Fresno after I got married to Courtney here. So I'm from Fresno. I was born and raised here. Um, My family, we never had like godly background necessarily it's not that we didn't they didn't believe it's just we didn't go have church we didn't there was no foundation in that um and there'd just be like little um bits of pieces of things but never being able to put it all together um so growing up i had my parents they divorced though when i was 12 years old um and then it was just me my mom my sister for a while because my father um was an alcoholic and so that just wasn't really a little bit out of the picture, I guess. I ended up actually making amends with my dad and moving up to the Bay Area to live with him. And then that ties into Alfonso. That's how I met him. Um, actually, at a McDonald's orientation um, the year before I was getting ready to graduate. And we started dating on, it was February 8th of what, 2002. And we've been together ever since. So, so like I mentioned, growing up, um, I didn't really have like a significant background or foundation with God. Um, However, as I grew up and I had moved up to the Bay Area to live with my dad and my stepmom at the time, she had a background. Um, She was raised in a Christian home, and so she started getting our family to church. Um, I went to a Greg Laurie um, Harvest Crusade in Sacramento at the Arco Arena, and it was actually my stepmom's cousin that had invited me. I was 16 years old. He, at the end of it, did his altar call, and he's just like, if you know, you're here today and you're feeling lost, you feel uncertain, you don't feel loved, um, you know, you have a Savior that loves you, He accepts you, He, you know, chose you, like He created you specifically for a unique purpose in His plan, and it's you're not by accident. And I had never felt that genuine um, intention on my life. Um, just kind of always feeling rocking and sure. And so I just knew in that moment, it was totally out of my character because I was always usually more shy growing up. But as soon as he had said, you know, please come down to the altar, you know, because God just wants you and he wants you to, he wants to embrace you and love you. And he's here for you today. And just when he said it, I just felt like this wash of what I now know to be the Holy Spirit, just like this cleansing over me. And I just walked down the stage and I felt so bold in that moment. Like this is a decision I'm making today and that I'm not an accident. My life is on purpose and that God really does know me and wants me. And so um, I made that commitment that day. And then just from there, it's um, 
just continue to escalate and grow, you know, through the seasons and changing. And that's why I just am so grateful for anything in my life, whether it be hardships or good times, because I've learned that everything always turns back to glorifying him in some way, or that I've been able to reach or relate to someone else's story. And so it's been a huge blessing. And I'm just so grateful for that day. In the year 2015 is when I really started drinking more heavily. I started working my new job and I was working a lot of hours, 11 and a half hours a day, six days a week, um, no time really. So I was really stressed out, started uh, leaning more to drinking and it just got progressively worse. Eventually it caused problems in my marriage. I had um, some career changes and was looking for something more. And so I had started going to aesthetic school and I was working for a doctor's office. And that's during the time of his um, 11 hour days and six days a week. And so we were not seeing each other. And so it just got progressively worse and worse. So on one side of things, I'm thinking that, you know, things are looking up and that we're on a better track and that we're in this together. And then for him, um, not realizing until um, that summer, was it of 2016, the mm -hmm. summer? Um, that he had just basically totally transformed to where it impacted our marriage so much. Um, I was gone away for a weekend with a friend. And um, basically that's when I found out that he had been um, seeing another woman at that time. And for me, always growing up in my family, like I said, with the alcohol um, of my dad, the alcoholism, and just the way that he would talk to me and my sister, and then just kind of affected and impacted greatly my self-esteem. Um, and then to have my husband that I trusted and loved, um, thinking that we're building a family together, and then to find out about these things that have been going on, um, it just really made it very difficult during that time. I was basically, my car had broken down. I was driving home, you know, I was intoxicated, and my car broke down on the side of the road, and I was like, you know, Lord, just let me get home. and. You know, I got home, eventually went to work still that day. It was early in the morning. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from the CHP saying, you know, you've, uh, you hit a car and, uh, you know, you had to hit and run. So during that time, you know, of course, I was in kind of in panic mode and had to hire a lawyer because I didn't want to lose my job. And uh, everything worked out, though. You know, God works for, for the good because, uh, I didn't get a DUI. I didn't get a, um, I didn't damage anything totally. It was just a little scratch. So I just got off with the, with the little fine and had to do a class and, you know, thank God for that because it could have been a lot worse. I could have hurt somebody or I could have, I could have been in prison. After going through the step study and getting to be with those brothers and just getting to, having them speak life into me and just being able to share our stories. To, so I went home and told Courtney, I go, hey, Courtney, I go, hey, let's uh, let's go check out this church. Um, you know, one of, our, one of my buddies told me about. And so we came and when we came to the church, we were just so excited because it was just so friendly and people were just so welcoming. And we just we knew right away this this is where we had to be. Since attending Ambassador, I have had a big awakening in my life. I feel like, you know, almost the veil's been torn, like literally for me to have that understanding. You read it in the word, but it's just in my life. I feel like it's literally like a, t a tearing of the veil um, to really have the scales removed from my eyes. And, and so seeing that, wow, we can have victory because of God. 
and meeting new people that have embraced us, being able to come into a place where you're, you know, introduced to everyone, you're feel loved, welcomed, embraced, um, and genuinely connecting and making connections with new people, not just the church being a place or a building, but literally being the people that you're gathering with. So it's just been a huge blessing for us to gather with people that don't judge us, that we're able to share our story with, that they genuinely uplift you, pray for you, um, reach out, and then um, just continuing to have that growth, you know. One of the reasons that we are looking forward to covenant with this church is because you know, we really like the relationships and we really like that we get to uh, disciple with one another, get to grow together. It's one of the most important things to me. We really. We really like relationships and relationship building, and we would like to be um, to disciple others as well as we were discipled. It's just just a big blessing. We're just really excited just to be here. At the end of the day, that's what our church is about. It's about seeing and going into our community and finding people who are broken and hurting, and saying, "How can the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ redeem?" broken situations. Marriages that are falling apart, redeemed. Teenagers and kids that would be moving in a direction that would be unhealthy for their future to, to get them to a place where they can fix their eyes on Jesus. To see people who are struggling both mentally, maybe with addictions, with financial troubles, and to point them to Jesus and say, at the end of the day, Jesus is where your ultimate hope is found. And that's why we give. We give so that others can not just hear the good news of the gospel, but can be discipled. And so that we can pour into their lives in deeper and greater ways. And that's why we do something like we're calling our, our generosity challenge. Inside your service program, I want to take a moment just to pull this out real quick, because I want every single one of us to prayerfully consider how God's going to allow us to be a part. And I want us to, I want us to truly reflect on this for ourselves. If you're a part of this church family, can, can I encourage you? Can I admonish you? Can I gently provoke you unto love and good work to be a part of this challenge? And so I want to take a moment, and we understand that this is ultimately about fulfilling God's mission here, but here's what I want us to prayerfully consider. We have four stages of generosity here, and I want you to ask the Lord what stage he would lead you to step into. So here's how this works. I want you to find out maybe where you're at, and I want you to prayerfully consider, Lord, for the next 90 days, will you give me the grace to step out by faith into the next stage? Whatever that means for you. As we, as we study the scriptures, we see several kind of stages of generosity, several stages of grace giving. And wherever you find yourself, I want to encourage you to say, God, by faith, 90 days, three months, would you give me the grace to step out by faith, to give up so that I can give out in a way that maybe I've never done before? So I'm going to put these on the screens to just kind of help us to see a little bit of where we're at. Stage number one, maybe you would say, by faith, I commit to give a predetermined amount of my weekly income over the next 90 days. This is a good place to start. Maybe you're the kind of person, you come to church and, and you've paid your bills and you've you know, taken care of all the things you spend money on and you come and you like being a part of the service, you like hearing it, and so you kind of reach in your pocket, you open your purse and you say, oh, okay, I've got, I've got $4 left over or I've got 40 bucks left over and, okay, and, and you give that. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing and thank you if that's, if that's the posture of your heart in regards to giving. But here's what I want to challenge you with. 
I want to challenge you to not just give God what's left, but to give him what's right. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider what is a predetermined percentage of your income. Give that to the Lord. Say, Lord, for the next 90 days, what is the percentage that I can, by faith, trust that you will provide? And for every one of us, that might be different. If you're just, if you're just a person, just ran, it's just more of a random thing where you look at, well, this is how much I've got left, and, and you give that, or this is what I can do, and you give that, then I want to encourage you to just prayerfully consider, God, what is it that you would want me on a predetermined, intentional manner that you would have me do? And what I would encourage a lot of you to do is it's easy to get signed up for our automated giving, and you can just automate this. You can say, man, it's hard for even me to trust myself. And so on the day where I get, you know, my paycheck, first thing, that predetermined amount is going to come out first thing. If you get paid on a Friday, if you get paid biweekly, if you get paid once a month, right when that hits, set that up. So that's the first thing, that first fruits, making this a priority because Christ is a priority and his mission is a priority. This would be stage one. By faith, I commit to give a predetermined amount of my weekly income over the next 90 days. And just trust God with it. If, if, if this is not something you're already doing, this is, this is where we'd start. Stage two. By faith, I commit to give a 10% tithe of my income over the next 90 days. Here's stage two. You say, you know what? You hear this term used a lot. It's a good benchmark we find throughout scriptures. And, and maybe this is, you say, I, I do. I give something intentional. But by grace, I'm going I'm I'm to ask God for the faith to, to take that to a benchmark tithe. And just say, you know what? I'm going to trust God that somehow he's going to provide for that 10%. And that's going to be the first thing that comes out. Maybe, maybe this is not something that you've been a part of up to this point. Can I encourage you? This would be a great step of faith. It's kind of stage two of just saying, you know, I'm going to trust the Lord with that benchmark tithe for 90 days. And I'm going I'm to see if the Lord will not prove himself to be a provision in my life. And so we'll look at that and maybe just say, Lord, will you provide? There's a place in the Bible where God tells his children, his nation of Israel, he uses this word, he says, prove me. And when he uses that phrase, he uses it in context to financial generosity. And in that spirit, I would encourage you to go to God and say, God, I want to see if I can trust you with this. I think it's interesting how many of us will trust God with our eternal destiny of our soul, but we struggle to trust him with a small percentage of our income. And maybe that reveals something about where our heart and values are, are actually at. And so by faith, this would be stage two. Maybe you give, but now you're going to say, by faith, I'm going to trust God for the next 90 days to give a tithe. Here's stage three. By faith, by faith. I commit, I commit to get involved in extravagant grace giving above and beyond the tithe over the next 90 days. Maybe there's some of you here and you're like, you know what, praise God, he's done a work of grace in my life. And man, this type of, this type of giving is something that uh, I, by God's grace, a tithe is something I've been able to do. God's grown me in that area. And I'm going to encourage those of you who already are tithing, I'm going to encourage you to step out by faith again. And maybe get involved in extravagant grace giving to give offerings above and beyond a tithe. To trust God in greater and bigger ways. This is a beautiful thing when we can learn to trust God in this way. Um, If you're a member here at our church, this is something that you've covenanted with our church to be an extravagant grace giver. Like Pastor Nick said last week, these are things you've committed to. 
to say I'm going to be a part of, I'm going to be a part of radical, extravagant grace giving. And this is something you've committed to, and I want to, I want to lovingly challenge you to say, man, trust God with that. You say, is this a financial thing? On some level, it's a financial thing, but on a deeper level, this is really a faith thing. Because we can talk the talk and sing the songs all day, but there's something about, there's something about our finances that really cut to the quick of where our hearts and our values and our motivations are actually at. An extravagant grace giving by giving offerings. You say, what's offerings? Man, offerings could be giving above and beyond a tithe to missionaries, to give above and beyond to other opportunities. I know this last... Uh, Thursday, I had the opportunity to give an offering above and beyond my tithe uh, to the pregnancy care center and just to give an offering in that way. Why? This is, it wasn't part of my tithe. It wasn't part of my gift. No, this is just above and beyond radical grace giving above all of that. And, and that's what we're talking about, just extravagant grace giving above. That prioritizing God's mission through the local church and then saying, I want to give more, maybe missionaries, and I want to give more maybe to an organization that's accomplishing gospel-centered ministry. I want to give more to these different opportunities, just extravagant, radical grace giving. And maybe you've already do a 10% to the Lord through the church, but you want to step it up and say, I'm going to give to missions. Maybe I'm going to give to a building fund. I'm going to give to an organization above and beyond. Maybe that's that stage three that God's spirit is calling you to. And then lastly, maybe you're here today and you're like, I do that. Man, I, I'm, I'm tithing and God's grace has done that and I've been able to give radically, generously. I, I give and there's missionaries that I'm supporting and there's organizations that I'm involved in. I give to help, you know, kids that need uh, care. And, and you say, it's dra- extravagant. I want to I encourage you with a fourth area. Maybe here's number four. You'd say, I'm already involved in all of the above, but I'll commit by faith to generously give an additional gift of, here's a blank, to the church's vision fund above and beyond my normal giving over the next 90 days. As a church family, we don't want to just come to a place, and this is my heart, and I'm speaking to you as a pastor. It's, it's my heart that we would not stagnate in our ability to make an impact in Northwest Fresno. But can I just be really blunt and honest with you? Our ability to make an impact is basically tied to the resources available to this local church. Most of you know we are not tied to any denomination. There is nobody who is underwriting or financing this mission. Anything we do in discipleship, anything that we're doing in our community, anything we're doing in evangelism, anything we're doing in missions, basically all of it happens right through us. The funds come from nowhere else. All of it. The air conditioning you're feeling right now, the lights that are being turned on, the discipleship materials, the publications, the chair, all of it has been underwritten. And a lot of this happens because there are folks over the years who have been willing to give above and beyond a tithe and their grace giving and say, you know what, I wonder if the next 90 days give to this vision fund. Typically, we would do a banquet. We'd have a whole meal and, and we'd encourage people to, to give in this way. And if you're here and you've already involved in tithing, you're already involved in giving to missions, then I want to encourage you to allow us to step out by faith. There's some things we want to do this year above and beyond what is in our operational budget to do. I'll just be honest. There are some things we'd like to do in ministry to those who are addicted. There's ministries that we'd like to do for those who need uh, help with grieving because of the loss of a loved one. Maybe they're in a broken relationship and they need some help and some ministry. There's things we want to do in our children's program right now that, to be honest, where we're at in this moment, we do not have the operational budget to accomplish. And so what I want to do is we want to have some folks who say... I'll give to a vision fund so we can step forward. Now, can I say this? In the past, we've had some folks 
who have given to this fund and the, they get the money, they, they stop giving their tithe and they give to this. I'll just be honest. Thank you for doing that, but it doesn't really help. <laughs> I'm glad that's your heart. But to just simply say, oh, I was giving, you know, and I, I put my money on this line on the envelope and now I'm stopping on that line of the envelope and I'm giving it to this line of the envelope. I, I'm just trying to be blunt. That, that's, that really is not what we're talking about. We're saying, hey, you're already involved in tithing. You're already involved in this giving to missions. And, and yet, by God's grace, you want to step out by faith and do an additional more so we can do more as a church, not just move things around to a different line item. And if this is something you can do, I know in the past, through this offering, we've raised anywhere between forty dollars and $100,000 that for that year has allowed us to step out by faith. But our, really our emphasis this year is I want to encourage many of us just to get involved in intentional, regular, consistent percentage offerings. And wherever you find yourself on that list, can I ask you for the next 90 days to step out by faith and do the next thing? That's the challenge. That's what I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider. And so today, what is it that the Lord would lead you to do in this area? What is it that he would lead you to give up so you can give out? Maybe it's a gym membership. In the past, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, we've had a couple situations. We've had one situation where a person took their car back down to the lease, turned in their car, got a cheaper car, and gave that money so the church could accomplish what it's accomplishing now. We had one situation where a family had had a home for a long time, and when their kids were there, it was, they needed the bigger home, and they decided that they didn't need as big of a home anymore. They sold their home, got into a littler place, and used those funds to accomplish God's mission. You say, those are extreme examples. They are kind of extreme. But I'm here to say this. So is what Jesus did on the cross. It was a little extreme. And I don't know what God's Spirit would lead you to do. But I want you to prayerfully consider this. What is it that God would have you to give up so that we as a church family can give out? We're going to take a moment. I'm going to ask our ushers here if there's anybody who needs one of these. Most of these should be inside of your uh, service program. But the ushers are going to make their way to the front as they make their way back. If you need one of these, just kind of reach out to them. I want to make sure that every person, if you're, I'll say this. If you're a teenager here, I honestly believe that every teenager could be a part of this in some way. I really believe that. To say, I'm going to give a predetermined percentage of my income. You say, my income's $2 a week on my chores. I would encourage you to give a percentage of that. You say, I'm a teenager and, you know, I only make, you know, 50 bucks a month. I'd encourage you to give a percentage of that. Whatever that is. There's something, can I just say this? There is something for all of us here. There's something for all of us. But let's just allow the Spirit of God to lead us into what He have us to do. Here's what we're going to do. In the next few moments, instead of a prayer and reflection, we're going to take the opportunity just to quiet our hearts. I want you to pray. I want you to take the opportunity to ask the Lord, what would He have you to do in this area? And pray over it. Ask the Lord. We're going to take a few moments and just in a prayer, spirit of prayer, let's fill this out. I will say this. Uh, there's a place down there for your name. All we will do, we'll, one time, we will just send you a letter. We'll let you know about what your commitment was. We're not going to hound you about it. That's all we'll do. And then from there, it's just between you and the Lord. Just to let you know, and we'll, we'll do that. Let's just, by faith, let's commit to take our next step of faith in financial generosity over the next 90 days. Let's, we'll have the music go on, and we'll take some opportunity just to follow the Lord. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.